Welcome back to the Goal Line Stand, all football, all the time, presented as always by Michael's Glass Company, and coming to you from Michael's Glass Company Studios, 215-338-3293, serving the Philadelphia tri-state area since 1978. You also are a Sports Talk Philly partner, sportstalkphilly.com. I am Michael Lipinski, joined as always by Brett Halpern. And off air, we were just discussing simpler times uh, 25 years ago. You know, it was a simpler time for the Philadelphia Eagles when they didn't have a quarterback controversy and they had one guy playing super well at an MVP level and you knew the future. Well, I don't even know if the future is now in Philadelphia. It's chaos, Brett. It definitely is chaos. Um Although, isn't it actually good to have a quarterback controversy? Uh, no, it is not good to have a quarterback controversy. Who was it? I, I feel like it was, for some reason, I feel like it was a Lou Holtz quote, and I'd have to look it up. But if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks. Was it, wasn't that the old the old saying? Yeah, well, given recent events, I think he's a moron. But, um, you know, anywho, I, you know, I I sort of agree with that, but... I'd rather have a quarterback controversy than just a bad quarterback. Not although I'm I'm speaking in general terms, not necessarily as relates to the Eagles, because the Eagles situation is just strange. That's the best way to put it. The Eagles situation is that, that yeah, I guess that is that is a good way to put it. Let's get into this real quick, and it's going to kind of serve as our wrap or recap for the game. The Eagles defeat the number one team, number one seed at the time the New Orleans Saints, I will put a little bit of an asterisk there because, yes, I know the Saints had won nine in a row. The Saints had Taysom Hill at quarterback. And it was clear over the past couple weeks that that was starting to kind of run its course a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you can go ahead and you can defeat the Denver Broncos when they are playing their 25th-string quarterback. It's the single wing. Right, exactly. Now, you, you play a real football team with Taysom Hill, who has a role, who has a role, but I, I just don't think it's as a full-time quarterback in the National Football League. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Eagles win 24-21. Jalen Hurts, I mean, fan, looked fantastic. Making plays, uh, oh, 100, I believe 176 yards passing, 106 on the ground. My issue with this game was, where was this offense all year long? Doug Peterson called a fantastic game. He ran the football, two running, two rushers over a hundred yards. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders. That's all that, that's how it should be. Where where was that previous? Yeah. Uh well, and that's something that we discussed in the preview, which was, you know. It, the, the game that he's going to call for Jalen Hurts is a game that he probably should have called all season for Carson Wentz. Um, 
You know, going back to what you said, yeah, I'm not much of a believer in Taysom Hill as a full-time starting quarterback. I think the game, I think, you know, you said it was 24-21. The game wasn't that close. The Eagles completely controlled the game. Yeah, the Eagles did completely control the game. And the only reason I think it got a little bit closer is Eagles got shredded by injuries yeah. in the defensive backfield. Rodney McLeod lost for the season with an ACL. Uh, he was playing extremely well. Eagles leading uh, defensive, defensive player. That then that's what you do. Smart team, smart coaches take advantage of that situation. But yeah, it seemed like it it could have been 24-23, and I it would have felt like a hundred point Eagles victory yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, the only thing I do wonder, and this is not I'm not at all taking anything away from the Eagles. I wonder I do believe the game would have been a much closer and competitive game if Jameis Winston was the starting quarterback. I I agree wholeheartedly. I actually think it might yeah. be a completely different game with yeah. Jameis Winston as the starting quarterback. I, if if it's Drew Brees, it's probably a seventeen point swing the other way. You know, it, yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, I I I you know I thought it was going to be a generally close game, but yeah. But more importantly, going to Jalen Hurts, um, I, I thought he he played well. You know. Uh, Doug Peterson was definitely on his A game with respect to the play calls, and because of that, you know it is frustrating because you like you you do wonder how would Carson Wentz have played in such a situation? Would it, I don't know if it would have been that much of a drop off, if if at all, maybe it would have been improved. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get quite the same running, but, but that's different type, and that's a different type of player. You know, you get better passing, perhaps, right. That was the thing that was maddening it to me to watch this was, okay, so right from go, they're rolling the pocket. Yeah. There's misdirections. They're running the football normally. And yeah. this is all stuff that Carson Wentz could do. But he doesn't. Now, I don't know if that comes down to Carson Wentz having too much control of the offense when he's on the field yeah, or, or what it is. But it was very obvious that the offense that the Eagles run when Carson Wentz is in there and the offense that the Eagles run when Jalen Hurts or Nick Foles or Nate Sudfeld is different than, than what you see with Carson Wentz, like completely different. It's, it's more efficient. It's more dynamic. So, so what is it? Is it the player? Is it the coach? They on Twitter, all the guys on social media. Jeff McLean said that this comes to us. Uh, this is a situation where Carson Wentz has too much control of calling his own plays. Well, then guess what? That comes back to coaching, which we've been, which I've been harping on, and we've been discussing. You need to then say to your quarterback, "Listen, man, you call what we call, unless yeah. there's an obvious check to it to a run or, or switch to a pass. You call what we call, yeah, and and let it go, yeah." I, I don't know. It, it, it's just mind-boggling watching this Eagles team, any Eagles team over the past five years, when someone else is in there quarterback. It, it, it's very strange. You know what's also funny is it's it's interesting how history repeats itself because, to me, this is actually a phenomenon that, that precedes Doug Peterson. Andy Reid, when, you know, there were times in the years when McNabb would struggle, and then suddenly, you know, when you had A.J. Feely and, and Coy Detmer and Ty Detmer, 
suddenly it's like, you know, he would simplify the offense and you guys would be okay. You, you go on a little, and Jeff Garcia, the same kind of thing. So didn't, did not work with my, with uh, Mike McMahon. No, definitely, definitely <laughs> did not. And I was, I, that was the lost year though. That was the TO year and everything else. But there, there, whenever a Rutgers man does something well, I, I, I tend, or is playing, I, I tend to make a big deal of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, we, as we all do, uh, Gus bus, uh, the McCourties. Yeah. M- Mike, Mike McMahon. <laughs> what, he, he was not one of them. Not so much. Not so much, but and, yeah. And, and God bless him. Great alum, great ambassador for the program. Yeah. Uh, but so it, it, it but, but going back to you know present day, it is very strange how the offense seems to run better with has run better with Nick Foles, and now you have this small sampling with Jalen Hurts because they're also two entirely separate quarterbacks. Um, so it, it is very strange. I, I, look, I still think you need to see a little more of Jalen Hurts. I'm not ready to anoint him as anything, and I'm not. I'm not taking away from what he did. No, absolutely. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. One of the knocks on him coming out of Oklahoma and Alabama was that he was not a very accurate passer. You knew yeah. what you were going to get with him as a runner and, and making dynamic plays with his legs, but he was not a very accurate passer. He made a couple throws there, particularly the one to Alshon Jeffrey, which is a tremendously smart throw where to put the ball yeah. as far as the outside. The only guy that's getting that pass is Alshon Jeffrey or the camera guy standing right behind the pylon or the dude with the boom mic. So great throw. I, I thought he looked very – I thought he looked accurate. There's always moments. But it wasn't what I remember seeing and watched when he was in college. Now, granted, some of that's because it's college and the pros. But I was more impressed this week with a full week of Jalen Hurts preparation than I was after during the Packers game. And I know he did. There was a spark. The offense played differently. But now it's proven. (laughs) It, It was impressive. Yeah. What does it mean? I, I don't know. You're going to have coaching co- coaches coming up. Uh, what's going to happen when there's actually film on him now? This so is going to take a little while. It, it will. So you're going to have enough. There's going to be enough soon, though, to figure it out. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you because I don't know if it's, you know, the rest of the the season is enough tape for coaches to figure it out, but coaches always figure it out the same way they figure out Lamar Jackson to a certain extent. Um, you know, you're able to cut down on certain passing. Uh, but, you know, he definitely opens up. I would say his running abilities are really what opens up the rest of his game because it opens up the rest of the run game because defensive ends can't necessarily crash as hard into you know more of the center of the offensive line or the line of scrimmage, excuse me, and also sets up pa- uh, play action. You know he definitely you got to credit Lincoln Riley because from Alabama to Oklahoma, it really was a night and day difference between his accuracy, and that has appears to have moved uh, carried forward into the NFL. So you know to the to the extent he can keep his 
his passes. I was going to say his balls. <laughs> his his pass is accurate. You know, I, I think he could be a solid quarterback in the league. Um, you know, he definitely is. When you know when he was running, you, he's not as dynamic an athlete as you would think. But he's built. He's built like a running back, though. So I think that's more where he's able to. I mean, he can withstand some of the shots. Right. He he definitely he runs he runs bigger, right? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. runs bigger than, than maybe what he is. At the same time, I think you do need to learn a little bit quicker that it's okay to bail out here. Look, yeah. that's what happened with the Eagles in the first place. If yeah. you want to argue it, that's why Carson Wentz is whatever he is. Yeah. Uh, because he's taking these shots, he, he's getting beat up. I was impressed. I was impressed with Hertz. I I, I didn't expect what what the Eagles had. Now, one of the things I really did appreciate, and you mentioned it, is the RPO, or yeah. you know, as all of us like to call it in the football world, you know, the read option, uh, dating ourselves back many, many years as an option offense. I I always wondered what Mike Vick would look like in the NFL with a true option offense. I always remember having that discussion, and now it's here. Obviously, he's long gone, but he did a really good job of knowing when to hold the ball, pull the ball out, and run, feeding it to Miles Sanders. It was a great – there was a great amount of deception that really did freeze the defense, which was impressive. Yeah. And, it was, and it kind of proved the point maybe that New Orleans – a little bit older, a little bit slower defensively, not as athletic to match up with that kind of offense. Not that they're, you know, I guess they're, they'll face it, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, but it it really did change the whole equation. It did, and and that's what, look, that's, if anything, that's what the Eagles offense has been known for since Doug Peterson got there. And when they're hitting on all strides, it's because their RPO game is strong. So... But there's no RPO game with Carson Wentz. Yes, I know that he shows it. But if you watch it back, it's not a – to me, the RPO is a traditional read option. You're going to yeah. have a choice to put the ball to the runner, pull it back, and run as a quarterback, or pass it. Yeah. When I watch Carson Wentz, you know, I, I don't see that. No, it, it's more like he's already predetermined what's going to happen. Right. Um, and, and it, you know, it could very well be that just mentally he's not suited for that. You think about it. I mean, you know, the, the even though the, the slight on him coming out was he didn't face the best competition, but having said that, he was also deemed the most pro-ready because that the system he came from was more of a traditional pro system, not necessarily an RPO system. And it just – it just may not be a good fit for Carson Wentz. And even when he was on his MVP run, I'd argue they weren't using the RPO and relying on it as much as they did as compared with when you went on the playoff run towards the Super Bowl with, with Nick Foles. Yeah, no, I, I would I would agree wholeheartedly. And it is what it is. It's, it's Jalen Hurts' world right now. We're just living in it. Rightfully, the Eagles have named him the starter again for next week against Arizona, as they should. As we discussed, they should be they should be running this out for the rest of the season to see what they have. 
Yeah, I you know, see what they have, and, and then you have some interesting decisions to make. Um, you know, I know uh, we post on Instagram about potential trade destinations. Um, so as I, I had mentioned, I'm going to be going to cap school in the offseason. I did do a little bit of rudimentary um, research regarding that. So the one thing I did find out, well, and I sort of understood this to begin with, so when you trade someone, you still have all the bonus money becomes dead money for the next year. So I still think it's just incredibly difficult to move Carson Wentz for next year. I agree with you. Now, Bill Barnwell from ESPN, he had a he had an article on the uh, plus side of things, so on the, behind the paywall. Short story is he named a couple teams that could potentially trade for for Wentz. Uh, the Colts, obviously, it's a hot one. The Cardinals, excuse me, not the Cardinals, the Patriots, yeah. the Broncos, and I'm missing one. Mystery Some, team. Somebody else. 49ers, yeah. excuse me. The 49ers. Yeah. Uh, all interesting scenarios, all places where he could go play, but I agree with you. There's just too much wrapped up in the actual dollar. Yeah, it's not the trade compensation issue it's the ramifications to the cap right that i think make it non-feasible this year that to me is the issue i agree wholeheartedly we'll move on to the eagles uh next upcoming opponent the cardinals coming up on our football friday show let's move on to some of the news and notes around the world of football Enough of the Eagles talk. Be sure to go check out our partner, Thrive Daily Fantasy, thrivefantasy.com, and the Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive Daily Fantasy, you can go ahead and do daily fantasy sports prop betting on a variety of different things. E-games, soccer. They just made, uh, they just had a, formed a partnership with a, a company in Europe that they're going to be giving more information on in the next coming weeks. That's going to get more European soccer, that kind of stuff. So for those of you that love to play the daily fantasy, this is your place to do it. Football all the time. Thrive Daily, Thrive Fantasy, the Thrive Fantasy app, thrivefantasy.com. Use code SEC247, deposit 25 bucks, get some free cash and prop up and tell them that we sent you. Before we move on to the New York football giants, the what, I guess they're second place now by a half game. Let's talk about the world of college football and the chaos that has ensued since we last talked. Ohio State in. We knew that was going to happen in the Big Ten. They are in the Big Ten title game against Northwestern. Over in the Pac-12, oh, man, this, this is a conference that just, just can't put it together. Oregon replaces Washington in the championship game because Washington didn't have enough players. Yeah, Pac-12 just missed the boat. I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, they we talked about this in the offseason. They were going to do things in concert with the Big Ten. But then when the Big Ten announced, the Pac-12 was way too slow to move. And, you know, you, talk, you look at a lot of these college football playoff simulations, and you wonder, had they not dropped the ball the way they did, if USC would have had a legitimate chance to make the college football playoffs. 
Sure. It's just, you know, because now I believe they're ranked 11th or 12th, something in that range. And we're going to get into the rankings here in a second because of yeah. the chaos saying uh, people are pissed off today. Yeah, the, the rankings are a little strange, but this is such a strange year. How do you evaluate teams? Uh, you know, I mean, then there's teams that have played far less games than others. But then on top of it now, I mean, so if Oregon wins, how can how is Oregon the champion of the Pac-12? The Pac, the whole thing is, like, I give the Big Ten credit. And yes, there were cancellations and there were problems. There were plenty of teams that, Rutgers being one of them, that didn't have issues. Yeah. But the Big Ten really had a whole process in place as far as testing goes and and making sure things work. It seemed to me like the Pac-12 was just kind of like, oh, well, we're going to be left out here as the only conference not playing. We should just come up with something. It, yeah. It's been so disheveled and through right from kickoff, right from the kickoff of their season, there was cancellations galore. And yeah. it just, I, I don't know. I mean – could they have turned around and just simply said, we're not going to have a title game? I guess it's a TV thing more than anything. Yeah. But, you know, just said, we're not going to have a title game. We're going to award best record the championship. I guess the problem is, though, in the end of the day, I mean, for instance, like I think Arizona State only has two or three games that they've played. So how are you going to – what if – so what if <laughs> – hypothetically – what if Arizona State is three and zero and USC is six and zero? You're going to award it to USC. Well, then, what if I told you that the reason Arizona State is three and zero is because all of their opponents had COVID? Again, I'm just using hypotheticals yeah. here. So I, 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 I have no idea what you. I mean, this is just this is such a this to me personifies COVID the COVID sports world. Absolutely. The, the Pac-12 is is like such an example of that. It's remarkable. A- absolutely. And uh, look, whatever. They're not going to get anybody in. <laughs> so it is what it is. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the rankings real quick. Uh, a lot of people are pissed off that Ohio State uh, has slid in there at number four. And so you got, you know, a, a scenario where we discussed this. This was going to happen. This is why the Big Ten made the, the ruling they did to allow Ohio State to come in and have a spot at the, at the table for the college football playoff. What is your thought? Well, who is it that people believe should be number four? I guess that's the most important because then – so it's like, all right, well, who, who – to the people that are complaining, who do you believe should be – I'm, I'm assuming they're going to probably say Texas A&M or Cincinnati – a team that has yes. played a full slate of games. Yeah, so th- there is a lot of there is a lot of argument that Cincinnati has really gotten screwed here. Cincinnati dropping down to eight, uh, excuse me to nine, Texas A and M seven and one. Uh, there has been talk that Coastal Carolina they're eleven and zero. They played. Look what they did. They they said BYU, come on out and play us. Should they be ranked a little bit higher? Cincinnati fans, Bearcat fans are really pissed off. To the point where it's like, okay, what's even the point of bringing the group of five to the dance? And I think this is where you're going to start to see a split at some point, and maybe rightfully so. Alabama one, Notre Dame two, Clemson three, five and zero Ohio State at four, seven and one Texas A and M five, eight and two Iowa State, uh, eight and two Florida at seven, seven and two Georgia at eight. 
Cincinnati eight and zero. They're sitting at nine. Oklahoma seven and two. They wrap it up. Yeah. So I mean, I'm looking at it as as you're mentioning it. To me, um, I'm frankly fine with the top four. Um, Cincinnati should be higher. Cincinnati should be at least number six, I believe. Um, you know, uh, Iowa State law has two losses. Iowa State lost to Louisiana. Uh, now, granted, Louisiana is number nineteen. They're it's they they have a very good team this year, but you know, Florida now Florida only dropping two spots after that loss. To, they lost to an LSU team that traveled with fifty four players. One player was deemed out after warmups, so they only played with 53 players, and another two or three guys got hurt during the game. Now, granted, it was a it shouldn't have been a close game. They should have blown them out. This is not even a good LSU team to begin with when they were completely healthy. Well, what's so, the, and the argument there is amongst pundits and radio hosts. I heard it this morning was that while they're putting Florida there. In case they win championship weekend, and they can then slide them up. Yeah, and look, I, you got Notre, you have Notre Dame and Clemson playing each other this weekend, so there's going to be a loss there. What happens? Well, if Notre Dame wins, if I think the College Football Playoff Committee would prefer Clemson to win, I would because agree. Then if Clemson wins. They just they'll switch with Notre Dame's ranking and then, but Notre Dame will stay in. Yeah, because no one, it's. I don't really think you know the Cinderella story in college football. It's kind of dead in that I feel like Boise State took it that one time when they went to the Fiesta Bowl and they won in that amazing game with Oklahoma. But unless it's a larger playoff, I don't think anyone cares to see Cincinnati go in and play Alabama in the college football play at the semifinal now, because now they believe they're going to get killed. You, you just mentioned it. Would this have been the year with all of the bowl chaos, bowls are getting canceled, teams are opting out, so it's not a normal year, obviously, 2020. Yeah. Would this have been the year for the college football playoff committee to say, hey, look, for one year, we're going to expand it to eight. Sure, there would still be issues. There would still be people bitching and complaining. Coastal Carolina sitting there at eleven, they'd be angry. Yeah, but you could you could, in theory, say we're just going to move it to eight. We're gonna we're gonna take four other bowl games and sl- you know slap the college football playoff logo on them for a season and let it play out that way. Would that have been a, a good idea at this point? Well, or or is it not? Or could you not do it because now you've opened Pandora's box? Well, I think the problem is how do you make the argument for that if bowl games are being canceled and with COVID you're it's weird to say that we're okay well we're actually going to expand something because of COVID you know when you think about COVID it's 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 about minimizing and and sort of scaling down but here we're actually creating more games so I, I think that's the only issue there I don't think that you necessarily be creating more games. You work with your bowl partners and yeah. you say uh, Outback Bowl example, yeah, you, you know, or new or Pinstripe Bowl, whatever. Like, hey, you don't want to bring teams in because yeah, whatever. Well, we're going to give you a, a playoff game. Spot. Yeah, you're going to be the the one in the eight. Yeah, for, for argument's sake, you're going to get Alabama and Coastal Carolina. I don't know. 
you know, would would you do it? Or a scenario where the first round's hosted at home stadiums. Kids, colleges don't have to go very far. I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking yeah. out loud. No, absolutely. Look, I, I I am in favor of an expansion of the college football playoffs. But the thing is, it's so even if you get to eight, I think by getting to eight, you at least are minimizing the you're minimizing the the group of five schools that are getting screwed over. Because at least I think Cincinnati would get in then. I think we would agree with that. I, I don't think. know necessarily about Coastal Carolina. The problem is the more and more you expand it, you're actually devaluing the regular season. Because if one team busted their ass to go undefeated and another team lost, imagine this could happen one day if you had eight. eight imagine if there's a, a three loss team that makes the playoffs. And if the undefeated team doesn't have any other advantage except to be matched up against a three loss team, that isn't necessarily fair either. But then, I mean, but then again, in college foot in college basketball, that's why they have the number one seeds and things of that nature. And it just, it is what it is. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, I, you, I, I'm just presenting both sides. No, I, 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 I got you. So you look at it right now. So if it were, if we were to go with an 18 playoff right now, according to the rankings that, that were presented by the, the you know, the college football playoff, but see, even then still, you got Cincinnati at eight, no sitting outside of, of, of that 18. So you'd have Alabama, well, yeah. Al, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, Florida, uh, Iowa state, Clemson, Texas A&M, Ohio State. Those would be your games. Great slate of games. Yeah. But it's still it's it defeats the purpose of I don't know. We we can have a whole conversation in the offseason on the structure of the college football playoff and how if it's expanded how it should work. It was yeah. just an interesting conversation that came up with all the chaos uh, of who should be in and who shouldn't be in. I think if you are Cincinnati, you have a reason to be pissed off. Maybe even if you're five and O USC, you should you be pissed off. You got a five and O Ohio State up there. Am I crazy that I saw one simulation though that showed USC with a really good chance of still making it? I don't. I didn't. I don't know if I saw that. But you should save that for the Friday show. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're going to talk about that, and then we're obviously going to talk about it a week from today after they reveal. The playoffs. So it's um, it's a it's a continuing discussion. And look, I I do think if it was an eighteen playoff, I think Cincinnati would be higher. This is all. This is also just they're 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 artificially low right now, just so just to literally remove any chance that they get in, which is ridiculous. Right. That you are correct, and it is and it is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Let's get to it. It was. Black Saturday, Sunday in the college football world. It's already started. Uh, Kevin yeah. Sumlin fired. Lovey Smith fired. Gus Malzahn fired uh, from Auburn, Illinois, Arizona. College football changes are happening. Uh, I want to talk about the Lovey Smith one real quick because I thought that he was starting to do real well at Illinois on the recruiting front. Mm-hmm. And obviously it wasn't translating into wins on the field. Is it? I brought this up in a Big Ten forum on Facebook. It seems like a pro, a pro coach 
a traditional professional coach, which obviously Lovey Smith is. I'm coaching a freaking Super Bowl. Yeah. It, it seems like they have a difficult time in the college football world. I mean, yeah, there's your outliers, there's certain guys like Herm, Herm's are doing Herm Edwards is doing okay in Arizona State. A little bit of a different setup, but the traditional professional coaches and vice versa, you know, they don't yeah. just, they don't seem to do well. Was Lovey was he set up to fail there? Just by the by the by by the uh, by the circumstance of what it is. If it's Illinois, it's a tough place uh, I, to play. I, I you know yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's set up or just it just wasn't the right decision for him. Because I look, I think a college football coach needs to be a salesman. Right. You need to have a more of a personality, frankly, because of the recruiting component of it. Um, and that's not really what Lovey Lovey is a, is a gentleman, well respected in the coaching field. Everyone liked him. Killer but yeah, it, it, yeah, he really went all all in on that too. Um, but I feel as if he's not enough of a salesman. Illinois is kind of they're kind of just stuck out there. Iowa has its reputation, which has been created because of the success and the respect of the head coaches of that program. Um, you know, Hayden Fry, yeah. Hayden Fry and, and, and moving forward. Whereas Illinois is just kind of out there and they have to compete with Northwestern, which has them beat in terms of academics. And I'm not, I'm not even, Illinois is a good school, but Northwestern is a fantastic school. So you have that. You have location with Northwestern. Sure. Then you also have just over to the east, you have Purdue, Indiana, and then you have Notre Dame. So it's you're they're kind of just stuck in this, you know. I, I always feel like them and then Missouri, but now Missouri's in the SEC. Right. So I feel like that kind of even though the Big Ten, I think, is probably the second best conference. The SEC st still has that different allure. So it's a I, – I feel like Illinois is just a tough position to recruit. You, you know, they, they occasionally get hot. And, they you know, they made a Rose Bowl within the past 15 years, um, which is a lot better than other programs. But, yeah, it's just a tough spot. You know, The guy who I, I find really – I mean, all three of these names are interesting for different reasons. I mean – Think about when Johnny Manziel won the Heisman at Texas a and Kevin Sumlin was like the hot name yeah. to be a pro, to be the next NFL coach. Yep. And but he went to Arizona. I mean, well, because it it bottomed out in Texas A&M. Right. Then he went to Arizona, and it didn't work. I mean, and you know, I mean, they fired him after a seventy to seven loss right. to Arizona State. So you look at certain programs in certain conferences and what they are. You know, to me, Arizona has always been a bottom of the rung in that in the Pac-12. It wasn't Arizona State. Arizona State has a little bit of that allure, even before Herm Edwards. It's always sunny there. It's a nice environment. It has Did you, you ever know, watch uh, Ted 2? The Bear Ted? Yeah. The they bear. made a second one? Yeah. No, I, well, I, I guess I mean, you know, right, so anyone who's watched, yeah, anyone who's watched it, <laughs> so he, he fights for his civil liberties and because 
he's not recognized as a living creature and he he gets an attorney uh which is uh Amanda Seafreed Seafreed or whatever her name Oh is. yeah 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 So she went, <laughs> so she went to Arizona state and they're like oh well that's why we lost and they so you know it, it's just very funny they're like oh what do you call it HPVU it's it's because they're making fun of it being a party school but yeah Arizona State does have that party nature. Arizona, I mean, the last time I think they were really relevant in the conference, like Trump candidate. Remember yeah. that guy? No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I they're there. They, yeah. They have they're like in years. Illinois. They're uh, cyclical. Like once right. every 15 years, they'll have like a good two-year run. Whereas Arizona State's more of a player. Right. Yeah, conference. exactly. So I yeah. wonder a guy like Sumlin, like where does he go from here? Does he have to go back and rebuild himself as a as a coordinator? That's college. So there's always someone that's going to take an opportunity on you. You can go to or a, he goes, yeah, like a group of five school. Right. You do pull Butch Jones and end up at 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 Arkansas State kind of deal. Yeah, maybe he'll bring Jared Garantana. Yeah, may, maybe uh, that's a good spot for him as long as it's not Piscataway. We'll talk about that on another podcast, uh, Night Talk. But and then lastly, you know, I mean, Gus Malzahn, you know, is literally ten seconds away from an NCAA championship game. Did, did he just wear out his welcome? Is that, I think that's what it is, right? You're you not Alabama, be- so see you later. Yeah, look, I mean that that is the hardest of as much as yeah. So the Big Ten East and the SEC West are the two hardest divisions in all of college football, and while. He's actually had a great record in the Iron Bowl. I mean, they've, you know, they've beaten Alabama their fair share of times, but you know, he just hasn't quite lived up. The team has underperformed in the last several years, and it looks like it's, you know, and he's even when he's bringing in he's bringing in top recruits too. So, you know, I I think they just need to start fresh. And that offense is it's a it's a very interesting offense and you know, I, I feel like in a way it's kind of limited. And, and it's a very run-heavy offense. I think they need to modernize it a little bit. Uh, so, although I didn't really like the initial candidates they had for it. Like, I th- like I think they had Hugh Freeze um, as the leading candidate. Like yeah. Him and, the, and, the, and the Coastal Carolina guy who, to his credit, has done a great job. I feel like you need a name, though. So what I see happening, and I check football scoop almost on a daily basis, yeah. Now you're going to see these names. Like Hugh Freeze's name is going to pop up. Well, what happens? Hugh Freeze is going to end up renegotiating his contract with someone with Liberty, and, and maybe he's going to parlay that into something else, right? And yeah. He's doing well for himself there. The program is obviously going all in for football with the, with that kind of money. It's it's interesting. So it's going to be interesting to see who they they go with i don't know yeah to yeah i mean this is yeah yeah obviously this is something that we're going to keep track of uh throughout the off season so it's definitely but those are three big names absolutely now let's get to it let's get to the new york football giants who i said we're going to have an opportunity to win against arizona i was really high on on the giants this week i was wrong yeah you know what's it's, it's they sucked me in for one week, and you know what? It, it, it pissed me off, and I'm out. I'm done. Don't, I don't care. 
they're not good. They're not winning the division. Why? What's crazy is Washington's winning the division, and the Giants are a much better team than Washington. I mean, they swept them. And I think if if the if the New York Giants and Washington played ten times, I honestly feel like the Giants would easily win seven of them. But the Washington, to their credit, with all their uh, interesting stories and and you know, I, I think they have some good karma going on there. Uh, they are going to win the division. But Washington, I'll tell you what, Washington, according to five thirty eight seventy three percent chance right now to win the East. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure as the days go on, that's going to creep up to oh, yeah. 90 and 100. Yeah, absolutely. But so but, going. So to you got to suck it in. So, so it's funny because it's kind of reversed itself now here again. Eagles blow the opportunity at a draft pick. I'm all angry about that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like these roles keep flip flopping. I know. It's amazing. Um, but I'll tell you, literally, from I think it, it was probably, well, yeah, the first drive. You know, we come out, we had like one run for four yards, and then Daniel Jones steps back, doesn't even see uh, Marcus Golden, the former Giant, who we traded during the season, have a free run at him. He uh, gets nailed, fumbles the ball, of course. Marcus Golden picks it up and returns it to the two-yard line. Now, the Giants' defense held at a, at a goal-line stand, which we all love, but uh, it was it was an uphill battle literally from the start. And the most troubling thing was Daniel Jones was not right. He could not run at all. He was completely limited. And also I think he was limited. He couldn't push off. So he wasn't getting his throws were off too. Steve Politi, New Jersey advanced media, who everybody loves yeah. in the state of New Jersey and the New York metropolitan area. I like, I actually like him. I've, I've grown fond of his writing and his takes, which is really bizarre and strange. Yeah. But Politi, he gives us five points after the game, and he really crushed the Giants for actually playing Daniel yeah. Jones. You said right from go, you could tell, like he wasn't right, and he shouldn't yeah. even have been out there for the fact that you could risk more injury. Yeah, exactly. Um and not putting you in the, and not putting the Giants in the best position to win. No, the, there was no way you were going to win the game with that limited version of Daniel Jones. With a healthy version of Daniel Jones, it was going to be a tough day. Uh cuz I don't think they match up well with the Cardinals and the Cardinals look the Cardinals are 7 and 6 so that obviously means they're they're a decent team. Uh you know, there were numerous times where there were clear openings to run the ball, and he just – he didn't even try. Like, it, I mean, it wasn't even like he hobbled to try to get a I – mean, he wouldn't run at all. So, to me, he's clearly not right. And he was also – what also was troubling was he was missing wide-open receivers, which goes back to, okay, I mean, is he really the quarterback of the future? You know, you know that – I've been on the fence with that. Um, but so this one I think was a coaching personnel loss as opposed to a X's and the, the defense, they were literally on the field the entire time. So by the end of the game, they were just exhausted. It's not the defense's fault. They played admirably, you know, in the first half and then they just got exhausted. You know, they weren't able to run the ball as much. Arizona loaded the box. The other thing you saw, I think, is that a, a, a de definitive need in the offseason. The Giants need 
receivers. Um, I think it's time to get rid of Golden Tate. And I was also telling some uh, fellow Giant fans that I think the Giants should evaluate whether to either trade or cut Sterling Shepard. Because honestly, I, I I don't see it. It's not worth the. I don't think he's worth forty million dollars. I mean, do you see it? No, no, I don't. And every team has a guy like that, right? Yeah, no, look, every team has a guy like he's, that. He's in the past. He's been, you know, he's been good. He's a six Giants were to, guy. If know. the Giants were to cut him, what, what, what are, what are they in the hook for? I, I like, haven't looked. Is it honestly. like an Alshon Jeffrey thing? The Eagles can't cut Alshon Jeffrey because they're going to owe a, a ton of money. It's not, I, I don't believe it's quite that bad, but I think it is significant because he re-signed last year for like a four-year, $43 million contract. Look, I give Sterling Shepard a lot of credit. Um, yeah, and said some decent years, plus he married a, uh, a supermodel. So, you know, kudos to him. But I, I just don't see it anymore. Darius Slayton, uh, who was a fifth-round pick, I think it was a really good pick by by the putts of East Rutherford. You know, people are counting on him to be a number one receiver. He's not a number one. He's a number two or like that special number three who stretches a field. You know, the, I think they need to draft a wide receiver. And also, you know, I would love them to take a run at Al Robinson in the offseason. But it, it's becoming a glaring need. Um, yeah, look, they, they got outplayed. Arizona has more horses. Their their defense, which I don't even think is that great, was able to just tee off on Daniel Jones. And the Giants lost uh, their grip on the division. It really comes down to that. Giants lost their grip on the division. I think this is firmly Washington's running away here. It's it's an interesting story. Uh, I'm still on the – I'm still at the point where I'm like, hey, it's a cool story. I, I like it. Ron Rivera should be coach of the year. Alex Smith, if he can play, I know, you know, they're, they're, he's a little dinged up. Is he's obviously the comeback player of the year, regardless. But yeah, it's a fun story. And let's just get to the point where not that we can root for them because we're not going to root for the Redskins or Washington, excuse me. Yeah, but we're going to in, enjoy watching what happens because our teams are going to be fighting for. Draft spots, which the Eagles are probably going to bowl. So right now, per Tankathon and other outlets, what the Eagles are the fifth pick, the Giants are the ninth pick. No, the Eagles get back down to five. I thought that was what it was. No, I think no, 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 no. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Forgive me. It's not the Cowboys. Yeah, are ahead. Yeah. So if the Eagles would have lost that game like they should have. Yeah, Jalen Hurts playing well. They would have held on to that fifth spot, but now they yeah. screwed up. Now they're now they're down to nine. So uh, that is what it is. Yeah, be sure to follow. Be sure to follow us on social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at GL Stand Show. Coming up this week on the Instagram will be four pretzels and a lap. Our uni watching segment and our power rankings. We're going to try something a little bit different. See how that works out. Because, uh, you know, we're trying to be engaging with people on there. And it'll also go on everything else. But that's primarily where it'll be. So Instagram.com slash show. I'm Mike. That's Brett. We'll be back on Friday for a football Friday as we get ready for another weekend of football.
stay safe and uh, hey wear a mask get vaccinated if you can congratulations so we can get the hell get this thing done and over with get the 10g chips the 5g chips i've already requested a 1g chip with snake you know the game snake so that way uh nobody can track me but i can play cool games and we can get back to watching football in person